we need to be protected. Now, our God has not left us unprotected. He has made ample provision for us to be protected. All his riches and all his power, uh, he's made available to us to protect us. So we can look at the passage we're going to read and we can go, oh no, that's scary. We've got to face all this stuff. Or what we can do is we can look at the passage and we can say, no, this is what God is doing uh, to protect me in the day I live. And if I will actually heed him and do what he's telling me to do, I will find that it works. And that my life works because of it. Uh, I think it's going to get tougher. But you know what? I think there are plenty of resources available to the children of God for us to actually live a winning life in this day and age. Don't be afraid of the, of the trouble that looks on the horizon. We can live a winning life even in this day and age. So Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse 10 and read down to verse 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, we're not going to talk much about this uh, this morning, but the power to deal, to win the victory is his power. Not your power, not my power. It's his power. Apart from him, I cannot do it. I won't be able to do it. Um, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We definitely have a formidable foe who's tricky. That's what wiles mean. Uh, he is a tricky foe. He, he knows how to handle us and how to get the advantage of us and, you know, how, how to wear us down. But you know what? <clears throat> the Bible says that we can stand against him. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the protection that you've built into it. And Lord, we do ask you now for your hand and your power upon this room. Lord, we ask you to uh, quicken our minds, Lord, to take on board truth and to apply it. And Lord, that we might not fight with it, but that, Lord, we might receive it. And Lord, I pray for each one here, Lord, uh, that your spirit would be upon us, me to speak, uh, these to receive. And Lord, may blessing pour forth from this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> we are living in def- definitely in a strange day. <clears throat> um, we need to stand in this evil day. Now, why is Satan so active in our day? <clears throat> well, I read part of a book, and it gave three reasons uh, why Satan is so active, right? First of all, Christians have neglected the whole realm of spiritual warfare. I think that's true for the Western world largely. Because what we've done is, we've come to an anti-supernatural place where, you know what, it's kind of uh, anything that sounds spooky or weird to us, we kind of discount. And the enemy loves that. Because the reality is that if we take and we discount what he's doing in his power, he wins. I mean, that's the the perfect invisibility uh, that any opponent is looking for. You don't see him. You're not expecting him. 
So he takes and he does what he wants to do uh, in your life. I think uh, we need to understand the Bible speaks of spiritual warfare. I think in past times we've had people focus on it way too much and kind of uh, say some wild and crazy things uh, about the enemy that, that, you know, perhaps caused us to kind of recoil from it. and, and, And we've come to a place where we're not really looking at this. We, we deal with life very much on a horizontal, certainly on a horizontal, certainly the world does, and we as believers do sometimes too. We, we deal with life as those people that we're dealing with. Right? <clears throat> but the Bible says that we battle not against flesh and blood. That if we deal with it on the horizontal, if we deal with it on the people level, and on the people level alone, what happens is we miss out on the one who's behind all of it which suits him very, very well. Second reason <clears throat> is that uh, Satan is active today because we are living in the last days. And I think definitely we're living in the last days. Second Timothy 3, 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Uh, <clears throat> Satan is no fool. He knows the end is near. He knows that his time is almost up. And so you know what he's stepping up, uh, his game. Uh, I think he still harbors the, <clears throat> the, uh, the incredible belief that somehow he can win against God. And I think what he's doing is, as the time comes to a close, he's pushing harder and harder, uh, trying to win, trying to somehow wrest it all from God. And many of the things you see happening in our culture are caused just by that. You know, and we need to remember that because we get focused on people and the reality is it's not people, uh, it's the enemy. We're living in the last days. He knows his time is short, Revelation tells us, and so he's fighting hard. Uh, third reason is uh, because society has rejected God and embraced evil in radical ways. Now, here's what happened. Righteousness exalts a nation. God smiles on the nation uh, that, that, that is righteous. God, God lifts up that. God blesses that nation. But what happens is that when a nation uh, accepts and receives wickedness and takes it on board, and a nation passes into law things that are abominable uh, to God, what happens is God's heart towards that nation is different. You know, God doesn't look at those things and say, oh, well, that's just the way they are. God actually responds to those things. And we need to understand that. that the, you know, the, the, the laws that we're seeing being enacted and so on do, do not leave God in the place where he just says, oh, so what? Uh, God actually responds, and he responds to nations. And again, you see, because we live in a, an anti-supernatural <clears throat> world, we tend to forget that Ireland, Inc. is not just a man-made deal. There's a God in heaven who rules over Ireland, and he stands above Taoiseachs and presidents and everybody else, and ultimately, uh, he's in charge of all of it. And there's an enemy uh, trying to tear it down. And what's happening is, uh, we're seeing our society and our culture cave into wickedness in ways that is causing God to uh, be displeased. Remember, he's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. And if God was displeased with things in the Old Testament, he's still displeased with them today. And he's still going to respond and react to them, and we need to understand that. So as we, as we look at our society, what, what we see, we, we see that we're in an evil day. Now, <clears throat> let me say this as well. You know, the wickedness that our society is embracing is going to ultimately cause them to reject Christianity. It is already. Christianity, we're, we're, we're in a pro 
post-Christian culture now. Kind of, uh, we've passed through the Christian bit. That's what the world sees, and now we've kind of passed out of it, and we've put all that stuff behind us. And you and I, who believe the book and believe the God of the book, are going to come to a place with the society where we're at odds with the society. It has to come. And, and we're not going to find that the society and the culture and the, and the government want to protect us in it. That's just not the way it works. I mean, if we look at the history of Christianity, we find the Christian church has been persecuted all through the ages and will continue to be. That's just what's going to happen. We need to understand that and expect that. We cannot create a Christianity that is acceptable to the world. That's, that's impossible for us to do. And when we stand for the things of God, they're going to react to us. Um, that's, that's just coming. That's just going to happen. Uh, we need to understand that it's already happening in many parts of the world. Uh, Florence put some, uh, asked if she could put some posters up on the, uh, on the notice board in the church. And you're looking at real living believers who are suffering imprisonment today because of their stand for God in different parts of the world. And we tend to look at that and say, yeah, well, that's in these crazy countries. Yeah, it could never happen here. Ireland is a Christian country. Those, those, you know, those things could and may well happen in our lifetime. We need to understand that. That's, that's, that's the way it is. Um, now, uh, the thing about it is we can either, you know, <clears throat> be terrified, batten down the hatches, go and hide ourselves, and um, try and live our lives <clears throat> far away from the world, or we can understand, no, no, we're Christians. We have the God of heaven uh, for our, as our commander. We have the Spirit of God as our guide and our protection, and we have the armor. And you know what? We're more than a match for anything that's coming our way. I do think this for believers, though. I, I, I think we do need to suit up. I think the world might put it this way. We need to man up. That we need to recognize that Christianity is not a walk in the park, and that it won't be, because if we're in the place where we're expecting it all to work out nice and easy for us, we're going to be terribly discouraged uh, when trouble comes. I mean, <clears throat> there is an evil day. Uh, I think largely we're, we're living in the last days, and that's an evil day all by itself. But for each, in each one of our lives, there are evil days. There are days when the enemy is going to go after us, and he's going to try and do as much as he possibly can to tear us down and destroy us. And we need to expect it. And we need to have on the armor. We are equipped for it. God has equipped us for it. We don't have to fall in this thing. We can stand. I <clears throat> okay, the warning. Uh, <clears throat> When the day of evil comes, it's important to understand what Paul means. Uh, while every day has its share of evil, not every day is the evil day. Not every day is an evil day. Every day has a share of evil in it, but there's an evil day. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the text says, um, <clears throat> Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now, if I were to talk to you this morning about an evil day in your life, you could probably give me some examples. Right? Now, we're not talking about a day just when everything went wrong. We're talking about a day when the enemy went after you, and he pushed and pressured and pushed and pressured. And maybe in your life he made some ground in that day. Right? But we're t we need to understand there is an evil day. There is a day when the, when, the, um, uh, when the tide turns against us and the enemy goes after us. Now, it is a day. It doesn't last for your lifetime. You know, what happens is the enemy gets stuck in, he tries to tear you down, and there are times when he does that and he focuses on you and tries to just wear you down and wear you out. 
That's reality. That's coming. And you need to be ready for those days. If you're not ready for those days, what happens is very often Christians capitulate. They give in. The pressure was too great. I couldn't stand against it. I just had to do it. And they do whatever it is the enemy wants them to do. And when you've done what the enemy wants you to do, he doesn't say, oh, no, I'll let you off the hook a bit. I'll give you a bit of space. No, he doesn't. What he does is he comes on with more pressure. He comes on and he pushes all the harder in your life to tear you down and to destroy you. You see, the evil day is about wearing you out and pulling you out of the game. Um, There's a command involved. Put on the full armor of God. Now, what is the full armor of God? Let's read through it and then we'll come back through it, right? Uh, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, that's a full kit. We're going to go through it. But that is a full kit. God has given you a full kit, full armor, to protect you in the day. Now, here's the thing, though. If you're going to wear the armor, you need to wear the whole armor. You need to wear full armor. The area that you don't have armor on is the area that you're going to be caught in. The area, the area where you're not, where you've said, well, I don't need that, is the area the enemy's going to pick out and he's going to go after in your life. Just imagine for a moment, right, uh, that you're in a war zone and they have these flak jackets. Well, I, I, I've watched those guys. You ever watch those guys kitted out? You know, they're in Iraq. The sun is beating down on them. It's over 100 degrees. They have this heavy helmet on them. They have these clothes on them. They have this flak jacket on them. They have these heavy boots on them. I mean, I'm sure those guys would love to get rid of a lot of that stuff. I'm sure they would love to say, you know, that's too much for me. Uh, it's too hot here. It's killing me. I'll just leave off some of it. Well, if you happen to be a sniper and you've got the guys in your, guy in your sight and you notice he's missing a piece of his armor, that's exactly where you're going. That's exactly what you're doing. Now, listen, our enemy is the same. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, do you have the full armor on? And if you don't, he's going to go after you in the place where you don't have the armor. All right. So the first part of the armor is stand there for having your loins girt about with truth. The enemy is a liar and a deceiver. He was from the beginning and he continues to be and he always will be. And his, his best tricks are going to be deceptions that he plants in your mind. Lies that he tells you. Now, the lies and the deceptions that he, that he tells you can only be countered by truth can only be countered by the truth of the Word of God. You have got to become somebody who is immersed in the truth of the Word of God. The Word of God is the key to it all. If we don't have that truth, if we don't live our lives taking the truth of the Word of God and living as though it's real, wearing the armor of the truth, we're going to be deceived. And it's always in the deception that he draws you away. He's a tremendous liar. He lied to Eve in the garden. He's been lying ever since. And he will lie to you and get you away from what God wants you to do. So you've got to be immersed in truth. Truth is going to be your, 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 your first uh, <clears throat> bulwark against the enemy. You're going to have to pull yourself together with truth. So that what happens is when he comes to you with lies, you reference them against the truth and you can defeat the lie. But you can't defeat the lie Apart from having truth to defeat it, you need to have your loins girt about with truth. You need to become somebody uh, who's immersed in the Word of God. And you need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, 
Here's something that we forget in our day and age. It's very easy for us to live uh, most of the time without righteousness. Now, obviously, we have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved and we're on, way to, we're on our way to heaven. But we don't have to live righteous lives. Yet we get away with a lot. Christians today, it means kind of amazing uh, what Christians will do and what they think they can get away with and how they can live lives that are totally out of whack with the Word of God and feel, hey, it's okay. I'm fine. Now, here's the problem for you. The problem for you is that righteousness is part of your armor. In that day when the enemy goes after you, what he's going to do is he's going to pick that area of unrighteousness that you've not dealt with. That area of sin in your life that's not fixed, that's not dealt with, that's not moved upon, he's going to pick that and he's going to go after that and he's going to nail you on that. That's what he wants to do and that's what he's going to do. He's going to go after you. So here's the thing. Every area in my life that does not line up with truth, that is not righteous before a holy God, he's going to pick those areas out and he's going to go after you in them. He's going to tear you down. And, and, and he's very effective at it. You see, Satan doesn't know everything because he's not God. But <clears throat> he's been around since way before Adam and Eve. And he knows man. He's watched us. He's, he knows how we jump. He knows what we'll do in certain circumstances because he's seen so many men do it before. And so when it comes to you, he's watched you. He knows those areas where you've kind of... You know, you kind of said, yeah, well, I know I'm supposed to do this, but, you know, I don't, I, it doesn't really work for me, so I'm not doing it. He knows those areas where, you know, the Spirit of God has pointed out to you in the Word of God something that needs to change, and you've said, well, I don't, I don't think I need to change that. He knows those areas where maybe you've actually, you know, <clears throat> in, uh, so surrendered to God in an invitation somewhere, and the Spirit of God has said to you, you need to do this. He knows those areas in your life. He knows where you're fudging it. And he's going to go after that. You see, there are no small areas of sin. They're all big areas of sin. Get it right. You don't want to be in the place where the enemy uh, can take and use it against you. Ephesians 6.15 then says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, what this means is you're supposed to be active in the gospel. You're in a war. right? The front is the gospel. In other words, the front of the, uh, the, 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 the battle line uh, of the uh, of the um, <clears throat> the battle line is drawn right there on the gospel. Now, either you're active or you're a sitting target. Is effectively what happens. And <clears throat> you know what? When the day gets evil, you know what we want to do? We, we want to withdraw. You know, we, we don't want to pass the guy that tract. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't know what he's going to say. We don't know whether he's going to react to us, make a fool out of him. We don't, we don't, we don't want to knock on that door. We, we don't want to speak to that neighbor or that coworker. We want to hold back. We want to dumb it down. Now, we'll tell ourselves all kinds of lies. I'm just waiting until I've built a relationship with him. But be honest with yourself. When you've built the relationship with him, do you really use it to declare the gospel? Do you really step out there, you know, after six months of befriending this guy and say, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, and you know what, I've got to tell you something here. Do you really do that? What happens is we draw back. You, we we kind of, we, we want to look good in the world's eyes. Listen, you've got to be about the gospel. 
Everybody in this room, if you're a born-again believer, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you ought to be witnessing to somebody every week. You ought to take a tract out of your pocket and hand it to somebody. You ought to open your mouth and speak to somebody every week. I mean, it's not like, you know, we don't know where lost people are. They're everywhere around us. We need to be witnesses. We need to warn them of what's coming. And what happens when you're warning people of, of what's coming? You're strong spiritually. And when you're sitting back and letting it all wash over you and, you know, <clears throat> uh, playing make-believe with it, the strength is not there for you. Now, <clears throat> part of the armor. We've we, we got to wear the whole armor. We've got to be involved. You may not be able to come out calling on a Tuesday night, but you've got to be a witness. You have got to speak to people. You've got to take the tracks and pass them out. You've got to talk to people uh, about it. People need to know you're the one God wants to, uh, to tell them. But you know what? <clears throat> when you do that, you grow stronger. When you do that, you're wearing armor. You're involved in the fight. Right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> then above all, take in the shield of faith, for with you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, <clears throat> listen... The enemy's going to go after you, whether you, whether you get involved or not, but the enemy's definitely going to go after you when you get involved. And, and what he's going to do is, he's going to send fiery darts, lies about God that explode in your heart and put you in the place where you, where you want to run. You want to go away. And by the way, you've got to learn to catch these. These are things that just happen in your mind and they can engulf you in a moment. They can just take you over a thought that comes into your head that just seems to engulf you, that just seems to kind of uh, ha- have you sometimes, you know, uh, you're just struggling with trying to get your head around this thought. The enemy can do that. He likes to do that. He likes to do, 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 put, plant those thoughts in your mind. But you're suppo- you have a shield of faith that you can quench the fiery darts with. Now, what is a shield of faith? A shield of, uh, the shield of faith is basically, I believe God. I trust God. Ultimately, so often, the, the area that he's going to attack in you is God doesn't love you and God's not going to take care of you. Somebody will say something, somebody will do something, and you will feel completely exposed. God doesn't love you and God doesn't take care of you. That was what he used in the garden, and that's what he's used so effectively ever since. And you know what you've got to do? You've got to say, no. My Heavenly Father loves me. He sent His Son to die for me. My Heavenly Father cares for me. And He'll never forsake me. You can take those promises we were talking about and you've got to apply them in your life. Because if you don't have that, what will happen is those fiery darts go in. And, and listen, they burn. And they do damage. And they hurt. Uh, <clears throat> anyone that's walked with God for any length of time knows what it's like for those things to, to catch you unawares. But you've got a shield of faith. No, my Father loves me. He sent his son to die for me. And you can actually do battle, but it's active battle. You're holding up the shield of faith. You're not letting him just put those thoughts into your mind. There's a shield of faith that God wants you to use. Uh, then Ephesians 6:17, And take the helmet of salvation. Right, now, what's the helmet of salvation? Uh, you need to know that you're saved. Now, you're coming to church and you say, well, I think I am. I'm pretty sure I am. No, no, no. You need to know for sure that you're saved. You say, well, how can anyone know for sure? Well, the Bible says you can Ephesians, or sorry, John, 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
Now, I suppose in, in, in this room, what we've got, we've probably got three kinds of people. We've got people who, you know, know for sure they're dying. Like if, you, if you pulled out a gun on them right now and said, where are you going? They'd say, I'm going to heaven. Right? <clears throat> and then you've got another group of people who really who say, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And then in the middle, you've got a group of people who would say, well, yeah, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but you know what? I'm not sure. And they're all shaken up doctrinally into believing they could lose it. Now, we don't have time to deal with this whole issue here. Right? But, but, but let me ask you this. Do you think God gave you a salvation that he's going to take back off you because you don't match up? Did you match up when he gave you the salvation? I certainly didn't. I was not a candidate for salvation. I was a, can- a candidate for uh, going to a hell specially reserved for self-righteous people. <clears throat> you know, I was not a candidate for salvation. But you know what? God loved me, and God saved me, and he did it all. Nothing of So, if you're saved. But you know what? <clears throat> because of false teaching sometimes, and because of our own thinking, we get to the place where we think, well, you know what? I know I trusted him as my Savior, and I know I was saved, but I haven't lived it. Maybe I'm not saved anymore. You say, well, I don't feel very saved. It's not about how you feel. It's about what he did. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. He paid it all. He paid it in full. He gave you eternal life at that point. His life. He gave it to you. You know what? If he gave you eternal life and takes it back, it was never eternal to start off with. He's given you his life. You can be sure, and you need to be sure. Now, here's why. Because, listen, when you're facing the battle, you can't afford to be saying, I wonder, wonder, am I really saved or not? I wonder, wonder, am I really his? I wonder, does he really love me? I wonder, am am I one of his? Isn't that a perfect ground for the enemy just to slaughter you and push you back? But when you're sure that you're saved because he's convinced you from his word and given you his spirit, you know what? You've got a helmet on your head. He can't attack your mind then. He can't get you off base. God wants you to know. God wants you to know what he did for you through his grace. He saved you. He did it. Nothing of you. He wants you to know. And he wants you to kind of lock that up and have that and then move on from that place. Move on from that place and that you, that you begin to move on. You've got that arm, you've got that helmet of salvation on. And then uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, we're talking about truth at the beginning here. And truth is the broad understanding of who God is and what God is and what God does. When it talks about the sword of the Spirit, it's talking about those bite-sized chunks. The Greek word is rhema. It's a short sword that it's talking about here. And it's those the, the, the sword of the Spirit, those, those rhemas of God's Word that you take and you fight the enemy with. Now, when he comes after you, you have words to throw at him. Satan came after Jesus uh, in, in Matthew chapter 4, when he was in the wilderness. And four times, Jesus defeats him with a rhema from the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. I can't give you the rhema to use. You're going to have to work that out between you and the Holy Spirit. But I've no doubt the enemy goes after you. And when he goes after you, sometimes he makes ground. And sometimes you give in when there's a word, a verse. 
a truth from Scripture that you could take and you could use it as a short sword to fend him off. But you've got to know, you've got to understand where, where he's going after you. And then you've got to find the word that applies to that and actually deal with it. And what you'll find is, you'll find when you, when you put your finger on it, it works. It works. The enemy can be put to flight. You can put him to flight in your life. I, but the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see, there's an evil day, but you're not left unprotected. God has given you armor. He wants you to suit up. He wants you to be able to stand. The result is that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, I'm going to close with this. There's, when you're in the battle, uh, the, the person who wins is the person who's left standing at the end of the day. The Romans were, 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 were quite, uh, they had this worked out to a T. Uh, they would come to battle, and they would come to battle with those, with those long shields, and they would stand uh, in a line. And all the, the, the enemy would come, come flying at them, and they, would all, and they would stand with their shields, and outside their shields they would kill enemy. If somebody in the front line died, somebody behind them stepped up. So they presented a wall. Now, the whole name of the game was that you were to remain standing. Whoever remained standing at the end of the day won. Like whichever army was standing, they actually won the battle. Because what would happen is people would get tired. That's kind of weary warfare. They would get tired, they would get worn out, and they would run. And when they ran, whoever was left on the field one. Now here's the thing. When it comes to you being in this battle, God wants you to stand. Now, the things that will make you run are fear. I don't want to get hurt. Um, the enemy's too great. You got all these things that, that, that come to you. And it's, it's, it's very easy for us to take flight and run when the enemy's on our case like that. But God says, no, I want you to stand. I've given you the armor. I want you to stand. Don't give the enemy an inch in your life. Don't let him have any ground in your life, whatever. When he pushes, you push back and you push harder. You say, I'm no match for Satan. God knows you're no match for Satan. That's why he gave you his Holy Spirit. That's why he gave you the armor to wear. He wants you to push back against the enemy. We need to understand that we, we, we are not the, you know, uh, uh, the lesser in this battle. Humanly speaking, yes. But you know what? My power is not me. My power is in the Lord. That, I'm, that when the enemy pushes, I can stand against him and I can push. And ultimately, he will leave the field defeated. Because that's what the Lord Jesus Christ wants. But what it takes for us is we've got to put the armor on. All of it. It's got to be real in our lives. Right? And then we've got to stand and we've got to fight. I think we've got some days that we're going to have to stand in coming up. I think we've got some serious uh, days of trouble coming up. And what's going to happen is it's going to, it's going to really work out in us <clears throat> where we really are as believers. You know, are we just along for the ride? Are we just, you know, hoping everything, everything just works out for us because, you know what, we're, we're, we're happy in our Christianity? Or are we really soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, here's the thing. When you got saved, you signed into an army. You may say, no, I didn't, Pastor. I just needed, I was going to hell, and I didn't want to go to hell, so I want to go to heaven. I understand that, but you know what? When you got saved, you actually signed into an army. When you got saved, you became part of the army of the living God. And he's, he's got a battle going on. And sooner or later, he's going to introduce you to the battle. You're going to be put in the forefront of the battle. But he doesn't put you in the forefront of the battle and say, get on with it. He doesn't treat you like cannon fodder. He says, I want to put you in the battle. 
I'm going to put you in a hot spot some days in the battle. But I'm going to give you my armor and my spirit and my power, and you're going to win. Just don't give up. Don't quit. Don't run because you're afraid. There's a story, it's talking about the mighty man of, uh, of David in 2 Samuel 23. And it's this guy, <clears throat> comes out of nowhere, fades back into nowhere, right? Uh, and after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Harite. Uh, and the Philistines were gathered together unto a troop, and there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Now, lentils are beans, right? So there's, there's, there's a piece of ground. The Philistines are, you know, they, <clears throat> they are fighting with Israel. They're going after Israel. And there's this, this field of lentils, and everybody looks at the lentils, looks at the Philistines, and says, I'm not protecting this, and they run. And this guy, Shema, I don't know what got into him. Right? <clears throat> Something got into Shema. And Shema just wasn't letting them have the lentils. There are lentils and they're not having them. And he stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. I think that's a powerful verse. You know what? If you let the enemy take the ground, he will take all the ground he can possibly take and a little bit more. That, that's what he'll do. When you run from the enemy, he doesn't say, ha, ha put them to flight. What he does, he says, I wonder how much further I can push them. I wonder, I, I, I wonder how far I can press, how much I can push, how, how I can chase them out of it. That's what he does in your life. But when you decide, no, he is not pushing me. I am not leaving. He will not have his way in my life. And you stand against him, the Lord steps in. And he brings a great victory. Okay, so we're in a tough day. We're in the last of the last days. We're facing the end, and the enemy knows it, and he wants to push us, and he wants to destroy us. But you know what? Some of the most powerful people in Dublin are sitting in this room. You say, no, no, I close the people down to the door this morning. No. The most powerful people in Dublin are people that are filled with the Spirit of God. People that are <clears throat> empowered by Him for the battle. Now, we can either... Believe the enemy's lie that says you can't win this thing. Or we can say, no, Lord, you're in charge. You're going to do this. And you're going to work through us in this. So that whatever comes, we stand and we walk with God. And we depend upon him. And we know blessing. And you say, that's a whole different kind of Christianity than I've thought about before. <clears throat> it may be. And the, you say, why are you preaching it right now, Pastor? No reason. Except I think there's a day coming when we'll actually need it. So what you need to do is you need to examine this armor. And examine your life. And see if you're wearing it. Because the piece you're not wearing is the piece the enemy's going to use to destroy you. Can you and I go down in this battle? Unfortunately, yes. In spite of the provision that's been made for us, in spite of the fact that God has prepared for us and, and equipped us, we can be, go down in it. We're in a battle. The battle's going to get tougher. We have the victory. We're on the winning side. But we need to be serious about the battle. It's a lie to say that Satan's not active. He's very active. Increasingly active. He's powerfully active in these last days. Things are happening in our culture, in our society, and in our governments that are just incredible. How could they happen? But <clears throat> you know what? God 
God is not sitting in heaven thinking defeat, thinking about withdrawal, or thinking about, you know, uh, giving any territory up. God knows exactly what's happening. He's got the plan in motion. The victory's been won. And one of those, those days soon, he's going to show on a white horse, and he's going to, with the sword of his mouth, take the victory. And in the meantime, he leaves us here and he says to us, listen, you have victory in your life today. You stand against the enemy in your life. And when we stand, the Lord gets a great victory every time. You don't have to do it. You're not powerful to do it. You have to wear your armor and depend upon the Lord. And he does it. And he wins a great victory. Let's be serious about the battle we're in. Let's understand Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the provision of your word. And Lord, as your people, we stand before you, Lord. We are a weak and feeble folk. But there's nothing weak about you, Lord. Blessed Holy Spirit, you've never known weakness. Uh, Lord, your strength and your might extends to all the power of the enemy and way beyond it. Now, Lord, we live in an exciting day. We live in a day when the enemy thinks he's got the upper hand. Lord, would you take and work in our lives. Uh, Strengthen us and empower us for the fight, Lord, that we might win decisive victories in our lives in this church. And Lord, that we might yet see... Your spirit take the high ground and a great revival flood upon our land and Lord's souls turn to you. Lord, we're depending upon you. We do not believe the enemy is as strong as he thinks he is. We're looking to you to do great things. Would you vindicate your great and mighty name? Would you draw sinners to yourself? In Jesus' precious name, amen.